Welcome to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lacking. Guys, he was here, but he said he needed to get some more paint cans for his workout. Weird flex, but okay. Uh, while we wait on Reed, which is a funny... It's a lot of woos while we wait on read. Make sure you don't say weed. That's a whole different podcast, not ours. I do want to welcome back to the show, friend of the fog, fear of God, legal counsel, one of our favorite Canadians, Dave Courtney. Dave, welcome, friend. Thank you. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure, pleasure, sir. See, I didn't do my my warm up, my vocal exercises. Pleasure, sir. Not pleasure, sure. Okay, so just mind your consonant sounds. Uh, Dave, thank you uh, for always indulging my frivolity while we wait on Reed. Permit me to remind listeners that here at The Fear of God, we explore, we don't explain except for right now. When I explain that you can find all things foggy at thefearofgodpodcast.com, things such as and especially how to support us on Patreon. More on that momentarily because who is this emerging from the fog but the one, the only <laughs> Hi, I am way stronger than I ever thought possible. I don't know any other way to I know. <laughs> jump in yeah. on that, but yes, Look apparently, out. I know. Your, your slight frame belies a rather robust, you know, kind of capability you know when you got it you got it uh so yeah i uh, that's and that's how yeah. brother you got it <laughs> <laughs> dave to, it's really good to see you man yeah you too thank um, you for being here thank you for being here oh thank you for having me read dave we have some quick business to attend to before we get to our main discussions for today one listener if you're finding us for the first time today, welcome and know that you have caught us in the second round of our series celebrating the works of director M. Night Shyamalan. We did a crop of six episodes already earlier this year featuring a smattering of Shammy's films, then took a break for folk horror series. What the fuck? And now <laughs> we put on our ponchos for phase two of... Shamalamarama. Today's conversation will feature a patron-only discussion of a few episodes of Apple TV Plus's series Servant, and after that, we'll feature a conversation on Unbreakable for the very first time, as well as a redux discussion of Split, originally covered way back in our episode released April 4th, 2017. Holy cow. That is so long ago. Wow. Um, 
Two, we have, as I've been mentioning for a little while now, relaunched the Fog merch store with fresh and refreshed Fog swag. Check that out at the website and get your Fog swag today. That is enough business for now. Reed, Dave, do you want to do the twist at the Shamalamarama? Let's twist our way into the Apple TV Plus series <laughs> Servant for our patrons, and we will be right back to sit in the light with Unbreakable and Split. <laughs> Do the twist, do the twist, do the twist, Shamalamarama. Do the twist, do the twist, do the twist, Shamalamarama. Do the twist, do the twist, do the twist, Shamalamarama. So, about these movies. Dun, dun, okay. dun. This is fun, okay? I I I was excited to get to this run in Shamalamarama because I yes, do yes, yes. have a soft spot for Unbreakable. Uh, always enjoyed uh, Split, uh, and we'll talk about that. But we, we covered that, goodness gracious, Forever six ago. years ago. Six years ago. Um, That's crazy. Um, and I know Dave's a big M Night fan, so nice to have him present for these conversations. So, for anyone unawares, I will, uh, in brief, read the uh, little summaries on Apple Podcast, Apple Movies for these two films of Unbreakable. It says writer director M Night Shyamalan's Nightmarish: The Sixth Sense received six Academy Award nominations, and his two thousand follow up. Unbreakable sees him hone his skill for creating atmospheric suspenseful thrillers after security guard David Dunn becomes the sole survivor of a train derailment he meets fragile Elijah Price who believes David has superpowers what follows takes the traditional pillars of comic book movies troubled superhero origin story and fast-paced action and adds thought-provoking new questions about the gray area between good and evil as well as Shyamalan's signature twist and a split uh, Split somewhat recalls Shammy's earlier movie, Shammy is my paraphrasing. It's packed with fascinating ideas about the malleable limits of human capacity and free of jump scares and gore. Is it free of gore? Shyamalan's smooth camera work is a thing of beauty, as are the rich performances by the ethereal, defiant Anya Taylor-Joy and the scenery chewing. Wow. Wink, wink, chewing. <laughs> James McAvoy as a man struggling with disassociative identity disorder. Disorder. Mm. Mm-hmm. how do you want to tackle these read how you want to like just wrap our arms around them and just, yeah like, oh my gosh give a big old bear hug okay so ooh, that's a bone crunching bear hug you're describing there so um very very quickly i'm gonna go to dave as our guest and let him sort of kick the door down but i'm gonna i'm going to to set the stage before i do that um obviously the reason for listeners who may not uh, maybe you have been a fan of M. Night Shyamalan, but for some reason don't know the connection between these two movies. Allow me to illuminate it for you. I'm going to set the stage a little bit in that, you know, Unbreakable was the follow-up to The Sixth Sense, as your Apple TV uh, summary uh, provided for us. And I remember for many, many years, even when Shyamalan kind of went out of favor with audiences, a lot of times people would go back to, man, the glory days of Sixth Sense and Unbreakable and Signs and even The Village had its fans besides just the folks of us here on the podcast. Um, so, so people, you know, would generally just pine for those early days of M. Night Shyamalan. Well, then when The Visit created this resurgence for him and then Split was exceptionally well received, there's an argument that second only to Sixth Sense 
Split might be his most universally acclaimed film in terms of audience and critic scores being very, very high. And so then he always has to have like a signature twist. That's what people talk about, even though not all of his films do. But when we were sitting in the theater and Mm -hmm. it gets to that ending point and I registered the music first and I was just like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i'm sitting you know because i've just seen this really really great movie i really enjoyed it i you know was trying to wrap my head around it and everything but then i'm sitting in there and and when that music kicks in i was like why are that that like i know this music but i swear to god guys i could not i didn't sit in the theater and go that's unbreakable i just sat in the theater be like i know that music like is that wait a second like was that music earlier in this film it feels older than that like i don't uh, like i just had this real weird sort of brain hiccup where I was like, what is up with that? And then that whole scene in the diner when, I mean, my theater just erupted. They were just, they were just like, Oh my God. Like just, that was one of the dooziest of, of moments to, to connect these two films and to do so in literally the very last frame of, of the movie uh, just felt so volcanic. Um, So I kind of want to start, with us just talking about that experience, kind of using Split as the way it tied back to Unbreakable, then we'll go back to Unbreakable. So Dave, when you went to see Split, or when you saw it, were you aware of the connection? What was your experience seeing Split for the first time and that whole little surprise that everybody got? I had zero idea about the connection, so it Mm. took me completely by surprise. Um, Rewatching it after... um, and especially re- re-watching it after Glass, mm. I have just been struck with um, how obvious it is to me now, looking sure. at it, looking at it and picking up all the clues and all the little threads. Um, it, it makes complete sense. But in the moment, I had no idea, no idea. Yeah. So when we got to that end, I was just like, wait a minute. <laughs> what is going on here yeah yeah no that's that's super super cool nathan did you so yeah it hadn't been spoiled for you right what was i have to imagine i brought this up in our original split conversation but i I didn't re-listen that episode so uh you know redux here for real for real (laughs) um i saw split with a buddy locally that and it was just hey let's go oh cool new m night movie you know let's Mm -hmm. go check it out and I imagine I was probably aware it was, you know, getting some decent buzz or whatever. Yeah. No clue, no clue at all. And like you read when that score kicks in, you, it, it causes this like, what? Uh, <laughs> it's like, it's so great. Deep is calling to deep right now, but I'm not sure where the deep is. You know, I'm not sure what's <laughs> happening. I recognize <laughs> oh, this, but why do I recognize this? Like literally me and my buddy oh. were walking out of the theater like like not as in had exited but you know people were starting to move and, and get up sure and yeah. i yeah. remember then bruce willis comes on and and there y'all these young bucks although as our apple uh write-up just mentions unbreakable is 2000 split comes out yeah. 17 years later yeah. some person when bruce willis appears on screen as david dunn said why is bruce willis in this like out <laughs> wow. loud yeah. some some youngin calls that out and and that w- was when for me i was like whoa okay mm-hmm. all right mm-hmm. that was unexpected but cool um oh, so no I, I i think 
you know, I, I haven't done what all of our, our listicles uh, um, headed by our Pied Piper Lackey, the listicle does and, and made my formal and final Shyamalan letterbox list, but I put split pretty decently up there. I mean, definitely top yeah. half of the catalog. Just it's, it's, um, I think it's a bit grislier than, than, you know, uh, so that, that would limit a little bit of its accessibility, but um, sure. in terms of just a really great kind of thriller horror flick, it definitely delivers, you know, um, yes. and kind of in a, uh, more mature than even like the visit, you know, the visit, it's got that comedic edge to it. Uh, that this really doesn't have and goodness gracious i know we'll, we'll dive into this stuff more directly but mcaboy holy crap i mean it's watching these and 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 you know it will be no surprise we'll be covering glass next week but watching his performance across these two films it really is a shame and, and whatever awards mean whatever we assign the meaning of them to be but it's a shame stuff like this rarely gets recognition at all from you know, more formal awards bodies by cinema, but like he, he's but, delivering just award caliber work in a movie that some would say doesn't really merit it. I would say mm -hmm. he's what elevates it into something totally other. Uh, he's just incredible. Yeah. Well, I want to, th there's so much great stuff here. I, I do want to come back to, to split. Um, one thing that I want to piggyback off of, and then we'll go go back into Unbreakable for all of us to just kind of spend a little bit of time there, if that's okay, is um, to your point about the, you, you use the word that it's grislier. I, I kind of tricked myself a little bit because we have been, over the course of the last few weeks, introducing my son to the films of M. Night Shyamalan because he's been starting to get a little interested into like horror stuff and scary movie stuff, but he's my son's 11 so we have to be somewhat deliberate about like what we can show and just you know what's too far and all this other sort of stuff so um we've been showing him m night movies and he's seen the village he's seen signs he's seen the sixth sense it totally blew his mind not for nothing <laughs> like that ending that ending of sixth sense just like really uh flabbergasted him but he saw unbreakable and where i was going with that is he saw unbreakable largely enjoyed it uh it's it's a bit slower paced than he was ready for because he's thinking scary movies and unbreakable does not have the kind of like full-throated scary movie vibe until a little bit at the end but uh he largely enjoyed it and so i was like okay well maybe i don't remember split very well but maybe you can watch split we got like 10 minutes into split and my wife and i were both texting each other like mm, that, no um <laughs> No, nope. I don't, no, no, uh, I don't, I don't think this is a good idea. And so then <laughs> we, we stopped that one and pivoted to another movie. But then when we finished it later and I was rewatching split, I was like, oh my God, I am so glad we did not finish that yep. movie yep. with my son. It's so much darker than I remembered it being my memory of it. Of course, I wasn't watching it the first time with the eye of like, should I show this to my child or not? Cause it was like six years ago, but um, at the same time, I was just like, it was, it was darker and, and I like your word grislier than I remembered it being and pivoting that back to unbreakable. Um, it, it interested me that these films are connected because I find unbreakable to be re still remarkably like tender hearted, even as I'm watching it. Um, I feel like it's, it's softer and gentler in ways, in many ways than, than most of his other films. Um, so let's spend a little bit of time on Unbreakable because this is the first time that we've actually, we mentioned it 
when we covered split before for obvious reasons, but, uh, but haven't really dove into that. So I want to pivot back to you, Dave, for just a minute. Where does Unbreakable sit in the Shyama catalog for you? Um, it, it currently sits pretty high. I, I'll be honest. I didn't like when I came really into the end night camp, it was with signs and, in the village mm-hmm. that's when i really yeah. kind of like gravitated to his his style and then i just became a diehard fan after that and yeah um and that's when i when i came back um as to uh unbreakable and it really rose in my favor like i was looking at it through a new light and interestingly yeah. enough with split um I wasn't the biggest fan of split precisely because it felt more commercialized. Like it felt more generic in terms of a film and less uh, signature and night. And sure. It's definitely definitely more commercial. Yeah. 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 And I still really liked it, but, um, uh, but if I, out of the two films, like I, I definitely still uh, resonate with unbreakable, um, I really, I, I do like split, but then, um, you know, taking the, the three of them together, it just, uh, I think glass really, especially kind of leads me all the way back to the beginning to appreciate what he was doing from the start. All the so, way back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was said contemporary to the time, lots and lots of people going all the way back to friggin' George Lucas talk about what the story was before the version we got on screen. So, you know, George Lucas famously said with star Wars that he like apparently wrote this whole big thing and then decided it didn't get super interesting until the middle. So then he just, you know, shaved off the first half started with, and that led to a new, a new hope. I also find that very (laughs) hard to believe. Um, But presumably M night had done the same thing here. Presumably the, what eventually became this trilogy of films was his first pass at this story was bringing it all together. And obviously certain elements were more truncated, but he said contemporary in 2000, I didn't look up any articles to, to wholly confirm this, but I remember this pretty strongly that he said he found the most interesting parts of the story for him at the time to be those early parts where David was kind of coming into his own and kind of trying to understand what it was that he was capable of and, and what he had been gifted with, with this preternatural or supernatural ability to be able to uh, not have his bones break and to be able to seemingly limitless strength, or at least, you know, when he exerted himself, he could probably uh, push his limits even further than he thought were, were possible. So I always found that interesting and then because M night went on, made a whole bunch of other films. I largely didn't believe that either, where I was like, that's eh, probably just, <laughs> you know, maybe he just excised all the boring parts, but then now we have split and glass to look back at. And I was like, maybe, maybe he did. <laughs> like maybe he did write some big, long story. And yes, you there well, with me, the hands. Let me jump in there because I, I, you know, and neither uh, should these things be perceived as full slights against Knight or George Lucas, but like, you know, it's always easier to re-narrate our success than to to kind of know uh, exactly its origin point. But I, mm. I didn't, the things I've read uh, over the years, and especially in this last week since absorbing all three of these films, was less about, hey, there's this intentionally planned sort of architecture that has a beginning, middle, end, let's focus on this. 
was that there was a version of a Kevin that existed in Unbreakable's yes. script that mm-hmm. just for kind of time and what have you got excised. Because to me, one of the strengths of Unbreakable is its subtlety. Is it? Yes. It's not trying to paint a big picture of a world. It is trying mm-hmm. to paint a very micro picture, and which which isn't me critiquing your statement, Reed, and more just like sure. I don't know that there's a lot of veracity to. Oh, I had this big architecture in mind because mm-hmm. I think if you did, there's more. Gonna, there's going to be more planted in Unbreakable than there actually is. You know, there's sure. there's there's thematic trajectory that that lives there, but um, I, I don't know that. Now, to his credit, I think they all end up working pretty seamlessly together, and that's the the, the sort of strength of the project and, and sort of the sure. value of, honestly, the value of keeping Unbreakable small, because you can <laughs> recast sort of a, a bigger world upon it that still yeah. works and isn't contradicted by anything. Let me here's a here's a question about Unbreakable since we're kind of camping out there for a minute. So yeah, I think in a lot of ways, I kind of. I think Unbreakable, with one little exception to it that I'm getting to, I think in a lot of ways Unbreakable is kind of low-key one of my favorite night stories, like character stories. I love the dynamic because in ways that I don't know, this is me talking about my observation of the night canon, in ways that I don't know he always does well, I uh, Unbreakable is about modern man you know it's about Mm. what does it mean to not know your place to feel like the world is different than you were pitched to feel unsure about purpose and your 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 dynamic relationship to the people closest to you like what does it mean to be disheartened and disillusioned like these are very real uh male and don't get me wrong i'm sure females feel this way as well to a certain degree but watching it it really resonates on that level. Like I watch yeah. this person and think I totally understand who this is. And, and in a lot of ways resonate with some of the things that he goes through. Uh, and so that to me is one of the greatest strengths of unbreakable isn't mm-hmm. it's kind of like the fact that it reveals itself to be origin story of superhero is just right. kind of icing on the cake. Right. Mm-hmm. To, to me, it's like, Oh, well, Oh, wow. Now this went from, interesting character study to really cool like exercise creative exercise um but where i'm going with that if i have any asterisk on my full hearted love of unbreakable is maybe it's just me but i'm I'm, we'll never talk about this again unless we do some redux on unbreakable for whatever reason five years six years ten years down the road i do think unbreakable if it suffers in any real particular way i do think its ending is just kind of like abrupt and and, you mean the text scrawl over the screen? Of, well, of that sort of yes, thing? that. But even just if you don't know that David's showdown in the house is the climax of the movie, mm-hmm. you'd be pretty confused when it ends, if, if that makes sure. sense. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so watching it, I even have to remind myself this, you know, when he's when he's encountering the home and 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 asserting his power finally, uh, yeah. like that's the peak that that's the narrative plot peak uh not a real particular showdown with elijah which is kind of what you would think uh Mm. and so i guess i'm just positing for us and maybe you know kind of as i look at unbreakable it just kind of stops uh yeah i don't know that it's got the best falling action (laughs) from a just story construction standpoint i don't know if that's just me 
No, I don't think it's just you. I don't remember whether this was a bonus feature on the DVD, which I still have, or I could I could double check this, or if this was something that I read contemporaneous to uh, Unbreakable. But I heard that when the film originally ended, that the original ending of the film, David finishes exiting limited edition. So all of Elijah's voiceover yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. He finishes exiting limited edition. And then it just ends with him stepping out onto the street and blending in to a crowd of people. And that that yeah. was just the end, which is a very sort of poetic kind yeah. of, of, of ending. But the reason that it was changed to something, I agree with you abrupt and very didactic was that that seemed to leave some confusion on Well, you've just given this big revelation on who Elijah is and what he's doing. So we're just going to leave that. Like, is he choosing to, you know, is he going to absolve that or whatever? And it just left that completely hanging. And he wanted audiences to have some sense of a degree of closure on that. I, knowing what I know now, I kind of wish it was the ending of him just yeah. walking out into the crowd. Cause I think that's very poetic and, and has a kind of a beauty to it. But I can completely see if you're introducing this for first time to audiences, it's like, well, you, you want a little degree of, hey, he didn't just get away with mass terrorism. <laughs> you know, that's sure. not, yeah. you know, so, so I, can kind of, I can kind of appreciate that. But I also agree with you. Um, how did you feel about the ending uh, when you first saw it, Dave? Um, I think I didn't have a problem with the ending, but I think my mind did a little bit of a shift when I understood what split was doing, especially mm. later on with glass. But um, because I did like, my mind was just translating the story automatically into hero versus villain. Mm. Um, but I think what split does is it, it, it shows that it's, it's more the hero's origin story um, rather than this hero versus villain thing. It's more about well, and Nathan, you were talking about the the, the masculine part. I think um, that part comes through with uh, David and um, shoot, what's the son's name Kevin. again? Kevin, oh, the son, Joseph, 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 Joseph is the son. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, David and Joseph, especially once you like recontextualize the film according to Glass, it's like, well, okay, this is actually Joseph's origin story in a way mm. um and seeing it through that light like this father-son dynamic for me that ending um like it felt to me that these two like elijah was almost metaphorically standing for what was going on internally for david throughout the film mm. um this battle against his his past and his fears and i know that he's a i know that elijah's a fleshed out character and, and I was just automatically um, uh, played it out in my mind the, before I saw Split that in that way, like good versus evil, Elijah versus David. Um, but when I rewatched it um, from that fresh perspective, I think the, the ending became a little bit um, more poetic for mm. me personally, mm. just in the way that it allows me to understand this is David's journey. And this is yeah. kind of helping me to understand who he is um, and what he is battling against. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's less about Elijah in that way and more about how these things inside of him are kind of um, 
at war along the the journey of the story right but yeah i can i can definitely appreciate that so um wh- why don't we do this we, uh we can venture into that ain't right um and then what we can do is we can do that ain't right for unbreakable and then that ain't right for split at the same time if that's okay and then we can it, pivot it back is up. but do you see that as a formal bridge to split uh, it can be. So maybe before we do that, does anybody else have anything specific they want to point out for Unbreakable? Yes. Because, oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, yeah because yeah. I just I just don't know if we'll ever talk about it again. Like I just, it's different. Uh, here's actually a fair way to put it. Um, I love the village for its portrait of young love, youthful romanticism, and I don't actually mean that sort of dismissively. Like I think it's really beautiful and lovely. I kind of love Unbreakable's picture of adult mature romantic relationship mm, mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. i just am really struck and you know to it, it's just not an overstatement to say just in love with the way that movie handles the fragility of that relationship and and yeah. both of their mm. needs and both of their concerns and both of their desires and so i'll i'll just highlight i love i wrote love three times when uh robin wright asks him if he's been with anyone and she just keeps repeating it won't affect me it won't affect me Mm -hmm. that when he says no she just breaks down it is just a truly beautiful scene that yeah you know we 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 often have said during shamalamarama like when knight gets it right in terms of character dialogue he really gets it right and so i think the scripting is great there but it's their performances too man she is just so she is so scared to reinvest and yeah. I just love the path we get to see them on and think the date they have is one of the most beautiful things. His nightmare story is so beautiful. Um, yeah. Well, and she just, uh, it, yeah, it's not going to spiral off into a whole bunch of, but just piggybacking off that she can't ask him what she really wanted to ask him before she knows the answer to that question. So then when she breaks down, finding out that he hasn't been with anybody else, that's when she introduces, I think we, I would like mm. us to start over, you know, yeah. and I just, I, yeah, I mean, just piling on to such a wonderfully crafted moment, a portrait of two people who have somewhere along the way lost themselves, stumbling fearfully back into finding each other, her more so than him in that moment, but both of them together in a way that I find genuinely very lovely. It's, it's well, really tender. And I, I want to highlight two favorite nightisms here. And then we can, for me personally, I can more or less be done with unbreakable creed that ain't right. And Dave, I think you have some stuff to share, but I want to, I want to highlight even rewatching it this time. I had forgotten that this is where the scripting goes, but I think it's just a sign of mature scripting that when uh, his wife, who's her character name, I just can't, I don't have in front of me, but it's Robin Wright Penn. She, she, Audrey, Audrey. Okay. Her inquiry of when did you first know we were in trouble? Mm. And like, there's a breath in the scripting there, or at least in the performance where you as viewer, maybe y'all, maybe us as masculine viewers, myself as male, like, your concern is what is what is the answer? Is it is it uh, you know a wandering eye? Is it a lustful sort of whatever? Like you're kind of 
concerned that that's going to be the answer. And y'all, I think it's just one of the most beautiful bits of mature scripting uh, amongst two adult characters with real histories and relationship. When he says, I had a nightmare and I didn't reach for you. Like yeah. that's just so incredibly well delivered to me. And is so yeah. such a swerve of what its worst version could have been. You know, yeah. because we see him, we see him entertain the idea of flirting with the woman on the train at the beginning. But, but even that is pretty harmless and, and, you know, mm -hmm. delicately done. So, you know, these, these, I guess what I'm trying to say is what I love about Audrey and David in this film is there's not this, uh, it, it is just the natural erosion of life that has gotten to them. It's not major cataclysm, you know, that, yeah. that has, and, and, and the need for some deep sort of, uh, overburdened reconciliation what i want to throw at y'all is the notion of uh peak shammy here and my question to you is i would submit for the Shyamalan shot hall of fame not literally lateral to uh ivy uh, walker holding her hand out to lucius but but not too terribly far down the list from it is and this is the trailer scene it is the it is the framed shot of the body in the foreground in the hospital oh, that slowly starts to blooden its bloody its its you know medical rags with David in the background being uh, a bit not interrogated <laughs> harshly but being uh, given the third degree by the doctor like that is if, if anyone is ever like I don't know about Shyamalan like scenes like that are the things that are like <laughs> no he doesn't get it right every single time but but it's stuff like that. I'm like, the dude knows what he's doing when it comes to crafting shots and the, the, the just craft of filmmaking. That is such an expertly delivered shot. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to bring up another one in that ain't right when we come to it, or if somebody else has the, this as their, that ain't right moment, I'll, I'll have the other uh, shot, but Dave, a couple of times, it seemed like you kind of wanted to chime in. You got anything else to say about unbreakable? Oh, I was going to uh, camp out on, on everything Nathan was saying, because, uh, Everything that I was writing down in my initial viewing was just traveling their relationship from from the get go. I thought, mm -hmm. like, just the way that it brings us into it too is is beautifully done. Um, taking the ring off on the train, you're just like, okay, I don't quite know what's going on here. Or, you know, getting off the uh, off the train um, at the hospital, holding hands, and then they kind of like quietly mm -hmm. yep. go mm -hmm. like things mm -hmm. like that. It's so subtle. And he's not coming right out and, and saying it right away. So you, you kind of, you're just kind of sitting there with this. And I just thought it was a brilliant way to just, um, you know, kind of gently tease out this relationship. And um, the, the first date scene at the restaurant. Oh, uh, so great. I thought was just everything about that was, was just perfect. And the, the, the quote that I wanted to jump in on was um, when she says, when she's talking to him and she says what you could do physically referring to his football injury was a gift. I never would have wished mm -hmm. that on you. That line was, uh, was the one that like just really hit home for me because I write it even at right after like the uh, I think it's right after that that she um or close after that when he's talking about the New York job and she just totally says even in this situation yes if this is what you need to do then I'm mm. here we can mm. figure this out um, yeah yeah mm. the, I just uh, there's so many great moments in that relationship but, yeah 
I totally agree. Okay. Well, you know, fellas, speaking of things worth exploring, lest <laughs> we forget. We, I love read how every time I do this, it's almost like I surprise you and you remember yes. that this is what we do again. I just yes. love it. It makes yes. me <laughs> chuckle on my insides. We are a horror show. So if it's gory, if it's gross, if it causes you a fright, it's time for the part of the show we call that Sure as hell ain't right. So we are going to tackle both films, uh, highlighting that ain't rights from both. So we will each do an unbreakable and then each do a split and then any sort of brief honorable mentions we'd like to do. Dave, you are our guest. Uh, You know what? So so that uh, if we're drafting these, you get first picks, my friend. What from unbreakable? What would you identify as your top? That ain't right. Uh, I actually went um, for the initial scene with the baby something that, like that still is an unsettling scene oh, for me especially oh, the way yeah, yeah, he films yeah. okay. it mm-hmm. through the mirror like through the mirror yes um, oh, yes when all we're all we're hearing is the dialogue about this baby born with um apparently everything mm-hmm. imaginable broken <laughs> as though he's Man. been dropped but it's just the way that whole thing is 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 filmed it's a uh, just you get the dialogue and you get this shot through a mirror that it kind of keeps everything out of sight but that's what makes it so visceral to me yes and to me the power of that scene too is just yes that sort of through the looking glass aspect to the way it's shot but also like as a viewer we don't have any reason to be concerned yet other than just a crying baby and i love the performance of the actor playing the doctor when he's like Mm -hmm. what is what has happened here? You know, like asking about the delivery and all sorts of stuff. Like that's when it mm. turns, you know, from just normal baby crying to okay, something very perilous and serious has happened here. Now that's that's a that's a great scene. No, um, absolutely, absolutely. I'm gonna go because mm-hmm. I think my that ain't right kind of pushes forward and or te- teeters on the edge of that so right. And mm. uh, for me, y'all, it is Joseph with the gun. That scene is incredible. I love that scene. It's so you un, you you understand everything uh, about character motivations, uh, the emotionality of it, the 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 framing of it. You're not at a loss at all as to what is literally playing out or emotionally playing out. And it is even this time. I've seen this movie at least half a dozen times in its twenty years, twenty plus years. I'm still kind of holding my breath. I'm like, this is so. Yeah just devastating that this poor kid is and you understand why he's even considering it i love bruce willis's performance there where he basically gets to a point of threatening i'm gonna leave and it's your fault like the things you would never say to your parent i mean sorry things as a parent you'd never say to your kid but you totally understand why he's doing it like he is desperate to cease this action to make this stop yeah yeah something that's interesting about that scene it was born creatively of a real moment that happened when George Reeves played Superman in the, I believe fifties and sixties. Um, he would do appearances as Superman in his outfit. Sure. And 
at one of those appearances, this was fictionalized in the film Hollywood land starring Ben Affleck. Mm. This moment mm. was fictionalized, but it actually did happen. Um, a child had gotten a hold of their parents' gun and was going to shoot him to, you know, show, I mean, it wasn't malice. It was just right, right. like, Oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to make a bullet. And the way in a somewhat brilliant moment of, of clarity, the way that George Reeves as Superman got the child to not pull the trigger was he said in similar to what Bruce Willis does here. Yes, it's going to work, but then this other bad thing is going to happen. What George Reeves told to the kid is he said, yes, it will bounce off of me and it could hit anybody that's here. It'll bounce off of me and you will hurt somebody else. So please don't do that. And the kid thinking he's talking to Superman because he just didn't realize like uh, stopped and put the gun down. And so it's just, yeah, that's, that's a real nerve wracking scene. Oh my God. Real nerve wracking. If you but, shoot me, I will break someone's neck. And, uh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> that's no 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 <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry snyder um, <laughs> i did it oh my god oh my god um i am i am torn between two that ain't rights one of them is more just broad and so since i'm going last i'll, I'll just kind of mention it as an honorable mention because we don't need to spend any time on it is just what the bad guy is doing in the house at the end. I just like oh, just, yeah. just just wrap that all in a big bundle. Like what the bad guy is doing. That's just that's terrible and 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 ain't right. And it's very very harrowing. But I have a little a more specific one to Unbreakable. Um, in the entirety of M Night's catalog, the the moment doesn't have the power it had when I first watched it. But few scenes are more mm. tense and tight and suspenseful and this is the shot that i was referencing outside of the that ain't right segment then elijah chasing that guy and getting to the top of the stairs and then it panning all the way down the stairs and you know you know as the audience everything you need to know about like oh my god please don't do this <laughs> this is not gonna go well and as the, the sound design on it is so brilliant. Every clickety clack of the cane mm -hmm. and of his heels taking it is just it's. So it's I, I watched this with my 14 year old and she mm -hmm. was that scene was probably the worst for her. Like she was just mm -hmm. like shrinking down in the couch. Oh, man, it. it is so nerve wracking. And it loses, like I said, it loses a little bit of its steam multiple viewings in. But that first time I. I remember it really staying with me of like, oh my God, I cannot believe it. it's just such a brilliantly constructed bit of suspense. Um, Cause you, you kind of are rooting for him in that moment. You want him to catch the guy and kind of be right. Like you're, you're with him at that moment. And at the same time, you badly do not want him to descend those stairs. <laughs> Certainly not as quickly as you know, he's going to. And um, when he finally loses his grip, I think it's brilliant as a shot that the first thing we see is the cane shattering on the steps before yeah. we see everything that happens to elijah it's just again wonderful visual storytelling you know everything that's about to happen before you actually get to witness it happen and it's uh yeah it's it's pretty incredible um mm -hmm. so well, yeah yeah it's time yeah. for some uh that ain't right you know for split also, all right. So, and I will say you know, before we yeah. dive into this, that obviously this doesn't mean that, that we can't go back to unbreakable if something strikes us in the rest of the conversation, but yeah, so that ain't right for split. Um, Dave, you want to kick the door down again for, for this one? What's a split's got quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I'll, I'll go, maybe this is the most obvious one, but uh, the thing that unsettled me the most was because I wasn't sure how far I was going to go um, in the, mm. like, particularly in my, my initial viewing is when he's asking the, uh, the, the young woman there to take their shirts off oh, because yeah. I'm like, I genuinely, I genuinely, I just still remember sitting there in the theater. I'm just like, I don't know how far he's going to take this. Yeah. Um, like I don't, and that's what made it so unsettling. Uh, and then the, and then it kind of shifts later on because it becomes this powerful point of, uh, um, of agency for, well, not agency, but connection um, that they established between um, the, the main, what's the Casey. main girl's name again? Casey. Yeah. K- yep. Casey is the uh, main one. Yeah. Casey. Okay. Um, when she gets down to her last shirt because mm-hmm. you know the layers and mm-hmm. he allows her to leave that last shirt on it kind of plays into this um uh, later on this uh, important piece of uh, of the narrative but in the moment right. when he's right. initially asking them to undress i just like oh i just i don't know that that yeah. that was one of the more unsettling moments in the film for me anyway yeah uh yes ending your moment there apparently anya taylor joy directly asked m night like what are, what are you going for here like what what is this um because she herself as a performer was a little worried like what's the what's the intention what's the design here especially because in the script the persona of dennis has you know those kind of intentions he's he's framed as something of a perverse figure as it is and so it's it it is it is pretty uncomfortable um i do like the payoff that they deliver for it but yeah go ahead nathan all i was gonna say is i i may be so i actually find a whole lot to love and split and and you know just enjoy the watching of it i don't think it does well by this point um i I don't know i agree Mm -hmm. you know i i think I think what it does by the end with Casey and the revelation of her scars could totally have been achieved without that ongoing thread. Um, sure, I think sure. I, I, honestly, even the movie feels unsure what it feels about what it's doing to these kids, these girls, uh, yeah, which, which yeah. feels kind of an odd statement to make. Like, I think there was maybe a smarter way to, because one McAvoy is just freaking like a, he's like yo-yo ma with his own, <laughs> person uh uh just just a virtuosic performer with dot um bobbing in and out of these characters i think there's probably a smart choice that could have been made of have dennis make that request and then he snaps to another uh uh, altar and to say stop 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 what are you doing you know put your clothes back like i I don't know that Mm. i don't know that they succeed with what they sort of are going for there for me personally um but I certainly um, won't defend it just for the record. I, I don't think it's terribly defensible, even as much as I love the film. Yep. I get it. Well, it's funny. Cause I was trying to interrogate this thought for myself. I'm like, you know, it's okay to like put to, um, um, understand the context when I'm saying this, like if a movie kind of sexualizes a person or in this case, a, a, a woman, you know, but it's, it's kind of, it almost doesn't even feel that kind of savvy in doing it um so anyway anyway mm. i don't, I don't mm. feel like overly camping out there but um to me if we're if we're that ain't writing split and i almost hate that i didn't re-listen to our split conversation to know exactly what i would have chosen there 
there's three front runners for me. I'm not going to name them all. Of course, I'm going to start with the most visceral. That's what I'm going to do. And then okay. I may throw one of these extras in as an honorable mention. Once we're done most visceral, that ain't right. Is the death of Dr. Fletcher. It is mm. terrible. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you come to really appreciate that character. Um, you know, she's flirting with danger the whole movie. So you're kind of worried for her, but, but I don't even mean the fact that it happens the way that scene is shot. And let me rephrase the way the sound editing functions in that Ooh. scene. It is. Oh, that's like, yeah. that might be top 10 that I write across the chamois cannon is just, it is terrible. Ugh, yeah. Gah. Oh, so, yes. Yeah, I'm picking oh, that yeah. from how that ain't right. And that in a film, which I'll go ahead and go for what maybe was the second on your list, that in a film where when you discover what the beast is captured the women for, like and 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 the whole intent of what he's going to do with it. yeah yeah i mean like that whole thing is really really terrible <laughs> like it's so so terrible um and you want to talk about sound editing oh, yeah. like in parentheses i've got open? the um the closed caption says it had in parentheses chewing yeah, uh uh-uh. uh, no, 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 Mm-mm. no, 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 and it ain't scenery. I mean, that's not in that moment. <laughs> he does that, but he also chooses other things too. <laughs> he does, he does. Oh my god, it's Give a so... little gristle. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's awful. But I want to, uh, so, so that is, I mean, that is officially my that ain't right for split is that like, oh yeah, uh, so the beast eats people, so there's that. Um, but then, um, hearkening back to your Dr. Fletcher. This viewing specifically, I think I might have praised her any time that I saw this film, but man, McAvoy delivers such a volcanic performance that it takes up all of the oxygen of the room. And, and I'm not taking anything away from him to say this. Betty Buckley is outstanding in this movie. Little subtle touches that she delivers to that character. Like one moment that stands out to me, this is not a that ain't right, but this is just in praise of the performer and of the character is when she, like a patient, compassionate, you know, doctor that she is, when she finally gets him to drop the Barry persona and be the dentist that she saw him as, Mm -hmm. and then when it cuts back to her, she just dabs her eyes. She just gently, just very quickly dabs her eyes. And you know, it's so subtle, but it's beautiful. That character has just accomplished something very meaningful to them. And it is rooted in compassion and care and, and a sort of eager hope that their belief is not unfounded. And so it's really tender and it's very human. And I don't know if that was a Shyamalan directing point, but I kind of get the vibe that maybe that was just Buckley being in the moment for the scene and doing what she would as a performer. Um, But she's exceptional. She's outstanding in this role and to that end when she finally goes um it would have been bad enough even if the death had happened off screen but the fact that we see her go the way she does what it reminded me of even though i don't have this strong of an emotional reaction to it spoiler alert everyone for the 1970s film Jaws, okay? <laughs> Spoiler alert for Jaws. 
but uh, but when what it reminded me of is when uh, Quint goes uh, in in Jaws, it reminded me of like, wow, you're so invested in that character at that moment because this is somebody that's like a really big deal and he knows what he's talking about and he's already survived so much. So when he doesn't survive this, it really gets at you. And it reminded me of that in Split when Dr. Fletcher, like when my wife and I were watching it, she was like, you got, you got to get out of there, like get out of there, like leave. But she, she doesn't, she doesn't time it right. She doesn't, she doesn't escape with enough time. And, uh, and you just know it's done for her. But then the fact that we see every inch of it is just, oh, it's awful. And the fact that that's your, that ain't right on top of. Yeah. I called it the belly to back suplex from the beast, you know? Oh my God. That's awful. Yeah. All right. Let's do one more round of honorable mentions between unbreakable and split. Pick something off your list. Uh, scan it real quick, Dave. You're going to go first, unless you say, let me pass for a second. Uh, Let me pass for a second. Okay. I'm going to go for next and then read and then Dave can finish this off. I think my next, that ain't right. Honestly, read it actually wasn't, um, you know, just the the chewy time uh, in Split. It was chew toy. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no! It is. No. Um, there's a world where we can talk about the backstory of Casey. That's not where I'm going here, but um, it's at least worth pointing to. Um, this the line of dialogue signaling this that I write is is can I help you? Uh, I think the opening of Split is just utterly terrifying. Um, it is an incredibly well done yeah. cold open. Um, I think as a dad with teen girls right now, I'm like, oh my God, like, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing my world on screen and then being like, what? Hey, how's it going? Oh God, I'm dead. You know, like that yeah. Yeah. That whole sequence. And then when, when what actually is so impressive uh, about that scene is the kind of realism of, McAvoy gets in the car and the girls in the back are so distracted. They don't even notice that is terrifying. Oh my oh, God. Yes. Oh yes. Um, you know, and, and just, you know, or we know, cause we've seen the film before, but like there's a world where I could even almost see the the dawning terror of a viewer. Who's just mm-hmm. watching this split movie. Like, uh, well, yeah. Oh my God, it's not the dad, you know, that kind of thing. Like it's, that's a very well-constructed scene. And yeah, I'm, absolutely. That ain't right. Um, I am struggling with whether or not to mention one remaining one from Unbreakable or one remaining one from Split. And I think only one. I know. So between the two, I'm going to go with the one that is most ain't right between the two. And that is exactly what you just sort of slanted by and referenced. Uh, I'll call it the scene in the woods with the uncle. It's, It's terrible. It's, I mean, it's just, it's terrible. It doesn't even go to all of the explicit places but it's just it's just terrible it's i hate that yeah i just hate i hate everything about it (laughs) just say i mean i i even think largely it works for the story and i think delivers or sets us up for a fantastic payoff with the cop in the end when casey is in the back seat of the car and the cop is like your uncle is here and the look on casey's face and you see everything you see everything that's about to happen again back to his skills as a visual storyteller but yeah just that whole scene i'm just like no 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 uh, no yeah so that's the one yeah so that's what that. about you dave um okay i'm gonna go with split uh and i'm gonna go a little bit broad and i have no idea i actually haven't heard the previous 
episode of this film. So I don't know if you yeah. tackled this on there, but if this, cause this might could um, leap off into further discussion about this element, but only because it initially bothers me. I've since come around on it. And mm. I think about it a little bit differently than I did in the moment, but just because I, um, I have, do have close proximity to um, mental illness. So that was one of the big controversies mm. about this film when yes. it released is how it, it managed mental illness and how it mm. dealt with the stigmas surrounding it. And, mm. um, and as I said, I've come around on it and I think a little bit differently about it now but in the moment i did struggle it because i uh, struggle with it because i had perhaps a, a a really close proximity to it at that point in my life so it was mm. a little bit weird to be watching a story that presented it in such a way that made it look like this made people dangerous sure. or that um you know that people that do struggle with it need to be worried about um not just perceptions but that they are this like it did travel that line and that potential to um i guess uh, exhibit in the, the the illness in that fashion right right oh oh me 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 you sir me. the small Call one. me so the small gonna- but very strong one Nathan, I'm going to, I'm going to, wow. Um, <laughs> no, I love it. I'll take it. Um, yeah. Nathan, I'm going to prompt you to take us out of that. Ain't right. Cause yep. I'm going to piggyback right off of what Dave just said. And I think I've got a discussion point for us. So yeah. You wanna well, before little lackey loses his britches, did you squirm? Did you wince? Did you <laughs> squint your eyes real tight? It was probably because of what we round here call. That sure as hell ain't right. Ta-da. Over to you, Lackey. Dave, I'm so, so appreciative that you brought this up. And, and there's a major thing that I got from this viewing of the film that was unique to this most recent viewing of the film. And I think, as, as I've d- learned doing this show for seven years, is that a lot of times what will happen is I'll see a movie and then... If I see that same movie several years later, what is going on in my life and world or what is going on in the culture around me will shine a different light on what I'm seeing in the movie. And what I find so fascinating about what you just I don't know if this is what you came around to on it, but I think the film is 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 rightfully or could rightfully be criticized for a very broad generalization of people with dissociative identity disorder are dangerous. Like that, that if, if somebody were to criticize this film for the handling of that disorder, I think the film earns quite a bit of criticism to that end. But what I get away from the film and something that we touched on a little bit when we covered the visit and about how it, it strikes something different. If it feels like it's representative of a collective group of people as opposed to if it is merely this character functioning through this situation. But I have, I have maybe made this joke on the show or maybe made this passing reference. I know I have in my personal life, I talk about the 43 different reads that I have inside of me. And 
all that is is a metaphor for me to hang my hat on. Of, Quite a horde. Uh, listen, take that, Kevin Wendell Crumb. I mean, you know, like <laughs> I have W, no, but I'm just kidding. Um, but what I have deployed that before as is a metaphor for when I'm conflicted. It's just language to wrap my head around when I feel like there's a diplomacy to be had in a certain situation, but also a very firm boundary setting that may also be appropriate. And the metaphor that I wrap up in that is that I've got like two different versions of me that are in there arguing about it at the same time. Again, it's just a metaphor, but one of the things that stuck out to me in split is, and then I'll, I'll take this to, to, to my, to what I got out of the moment and of the film and then punt to you both for your responses to it. But when Dr. Fletcher is speaking to Kevin about his different personalities and she references them as individualized people each of them dwelling within kevin but she references them as individualized people and she said she said dennis and patricia were banned from the light because of their beliefs and something about that line just like clicked a tumbler in me where i'm like oh my god the ways in which certain parts of us are sympathetic to certain things and then circumstances in our life suddenly give those parts of us more power, more energy, more light. If you are prone to a tiny bit of, you know, I'll, I'll just call out all the nasty, ugly things. If you are prone to a small bit of misogyny, if you are prone to a small bit of racism, if you're prone to a small bit of ableism, if you're prone to some of those less glamorous, less appealing, less um, praiseworthy aspects, but those things are in you and they're there. And then circumstances begin to give those things light, begin to give those things a little bit more prominence. Maybe they poke at them. Maybe they exacerbate the feelings. And then what this film became for me, this viewing, this is the first time that it did this for me, but what the film became for me was this very strange metaphor for how there can be lots of conflicting personalities within us, all sort of rooted in one person, but there can be all these sort of conflicting avenues and conflicting paths that given a certain, you know, the, the mythos of Kevin Wendell Crumb is that his very abusive mother brought out these other personalities to protect the person of Kevin. And that really struck me this time around in a more sympathetic way than the the surface way I so frequently viewed this film of like, oh, you're saying that people who have this disorder are dangerous or that mentally ill people are dangerous. Instead, this time around, I kind of my brain wasn't even really on that. And instead, I was focusing on how we have a capacity with all these different versions of ourselves and then through a sequence of circumstances, we may become beastly. We may become very misogynist. We may become very, very monstrous in our behaviors or in our proclivities or, when our, or within our beliefs. And again, what clicked the tumbler open for me was the way Dr. Fletcher described how people within Kevin had been banned from taking the light or from pushing themselves forward because they had these controversial beliefs. And it just, it just really landed with me this time around um, about how I should be mindful of uh, the, what's the old proverb that I've referenced, not biblical proverb, but the, the um, 
I believe it's an Eastern proverb where it says, you know, you have two wolves inside of you and which one will grow stronger. It's the one that you feed. And I, I thought about that in the context of this this time. It's like, oh, I have parts of myself that I should be careful not to feed. I have parts of myself that I should be careful not to give the light. I have parts of myself that I should be careful not to, to highlight and bring prominence because if I do, maybe they will, that, that is eventually the part of me that I will become. And maybe that's not necessarily what I want. Is that making sense? Or is that just the version of Reed that needs to hide from the light and go back and. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to get there. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I get I get that. I get that. Dave, what sort of thoughts do you have? Oh, I think it absolutely makes sense in that, in that I think that is definitely one dynamic of it. I think the, uh, I wrote down a quote here. I was thinking about while you're talking. Um, it says, uh, we look at people who are shattered and different as though they are less than, what if they are more than? Mm. that that kind of analysis of these uh of um this character kind of it casts it in a different light uh, um in the way that you're you're suggesting it casts it in in the sense that just like in, with david like he david has this like messed up past but then he's got these intuitions he's got these things that eventually these very human elements that eventually become powers and that that mm. becomes the same the same storyline he's just using the mental illness as like a, um, a construct in order to tell this story but i don't think it's primarily about the mental illness i think mm -hmm. as you say it's it's there's that metaphor there and i think more so from after watching it after watching glass that's when i really like kind of came around to even watching it now from the perspective of Casey, because mm. like just the way the whole film is set up, it, it's only it, if it's, if split is actually her origin story, like if we're to take um, the, the, the recontextualizing of these films in light of glass, um, you know, glass becomes glasses origin story in a way. Um, but if split is Casey's origin story, then what you kind of have is not a focus on the mental illness at all, but that metaphor being applied to her internal mm -hmm. process, right? Like, as it says in the beginning of the film, why do you act like you aren't the same as us? Um, mm -hmm. It's because of what she's holding on to from her past, right? It's the, it's the right. suffering that marks her. And um, yeah, and everything about what the beast becomes is obviously it's marked by this kind of power of the mind thing mm -hmm. and in which a split is really kind of teasing out. So it, it, it's this power of the mind, this belief of all these different parts of us we can give them power over us or they can be a moment of, of power for us, right? Like that yeah. they can be these moments where we become the best parts of ourselves or the worst parts of ourselves. So I, I don't know, but does that making sense? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. And it's, it's something that I think about a lot. I, this is, this is the way that I can get very self-conscious. Sometimes I did not re-listen to our episode from six years ago. It's going to really 
Uh, I'm going to really feel silly if I made the same observations <laughs> six years ago. In our episode. <laughs> but, um, but, but no, it's, it is something that's on my mind a lot about this whole best and worst versions of ourselves, you know, or, or the ways that I can sometimes frame poor choices around. I'm not at my best, you know, and listen, factors contribute to choices. Um, us feeling ill, us not getting enough rest, us being very beset upon with a severe amount of of uh, distress or uh, a number of things that are kind of up against us can sometimes influence our choices uh, in ways that we don't act from the best intentions or the best motivations that we have inside of us. And I feel like it's something I wish I was a lot more cognizant of in general, but um, working on it, working on it. What about you, Nathan? What do, what do these considerations bring up in you? Um, on a real kind of just technical level, I do think the, especially with glass and view, the arc of the narrative definitely pushes you to empathy for Kevin. Um, you know, even if split is a little <laughs> split on exactly how much <laughs> you're, you're meant to there. Um, I don't know. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm kind of assessing what y'all are talking about and I, I, I don't, you know, disagree. The DID stuff is a choice and you know, how, how sensitively or not or whatever is not my main sort of thoughts at the forefront. As I assess these two, I, I think, I think I'm trying to process because we've never done unbreakable, you know, these two in conversation with each other more than uniquely split. And I'm going to do that thing that I say every time that I'm like, I wish I didn't do that, but I'm going to do it. So partly I'll do it out of a, a curiosity from you guys. Like, I don't think I find the uh, backstory, the flashbacks for Casey and the and split, even and especially knowing how just really terrible they get really necessary. Um, I'm not saying yeah there isn't value in knowing some exposition about Casey's story. I think we can achieve that without those, but I'm, I'm looking at just unbreakable and I can't kind of get away from this masculine malaise that movie is swimming in and, and, mm -hmm. and wants to consider and think about and ponder in the form of David and his sort of story. Um, like I'm staring at the, what I think is just an incredibly bit of beautiful uh, scripting symmetry at the end when he crawls in bed with Audrey and says, I had a bad dream. Yeah. It's over now. Like, like mm. that's, I love it. And so I, I, I'm, I'm sort of setting that in contrast with what split does or doesn't get right. Here's the good news. I actually really like split a lot. I think it's very watchable. I think it's very accessible. I don't know that the things I would point as, critiques about it sink it for me really it, it's more just mm -hmm. huh I, I wonder about this stuff because i think there's a world where the movie really loves casey and wants us to really root for her and that's an appropriate yes. thing i think there's a world where i kind of wish like i pointed to earlier during our i think it was during that it right about you know the sexualizing of the other girls and and just some of the some of the stilted ways the movie does that and then couple that with what's a pretty just gross backstory, which again, I'm not, I'm not even saying don't have characters with trauma, like whatever that's sure. sort of 
sure. bread and butter of, of especially horror sometimes these days. I think I just wish the backstory could be cut out because what the movie does well is creates a connection point for her with Hedwig. And like, that's yeah. your mechanism to get to know Casey better. And mm-hmm. I don't know that I need just how awful her backstory gets to understand this kid's got it rough and is really carrying a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially if, because I think unbreakable does so right by David and painting this present picture of a man wrestling with purpose and, and just his place in his own life mm. that, that that's sort of mirrored in Casey, but I don't know that it's as smart and savvy with her as it is with David. Um, anyway, so th- th- that's, that may seem an odd sort of pivot to what y'all were talking about. It's just what I'm thinking about with these two movies in conversation with each other. Yeah. So, Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just, I was just agreeing. Yeah. Go ahead, Dave. No, I was going to say, I, I don't know if this answers that question or, or speaks to what you're bringing up there. Um, but I'll throw it out just because it's part of my journey with the film. Um, but her backstory, Casey's backstory, really, to me, like, um, like if David's journey in Unbreakable is from the things, the very human things that he doesn't see as powers becoming powers and him becoming a, you know, a hero, an origin story for his ascent into becoming a hero. Um, and if you could also see that film as David's son's journey in that regard, um, I think in this film, you know, if the story is about Kevin, I wonder if that backstory for Casey is necessary to allow giving her a means of becoming and, and stepping into that hero status like that that origin story for her almost seems to me like if, if you see it as an origin story for Casey, it almost seems to need that as the, the motivating factor um, for her to be responding in the way that she does, uh, because it's not just that she's connecting um, with uh, sorry. Now I've, I've, I've lost his name again. Um Kevin. Kevin? No, the younger personality. Hedwig. Uh, oh, Hedwig. Hedwig. Yeah. Yep. It's not just that she's connecting with Hedwig and, and ultimately Kevin. Um, it's that she is responsive. Like she is acting. She is not just discovering something about herself, but she is in a progression of becoming yeah. something, right? Sure. Um, yeah. Well, let me, so let that, me. That's how I see it. But. Yeah, let me let me respond to that a little bit just, uh, you know, because actually what I'm not totally saying is don't have a similar character backstory. I'm saying from a pure just technical filmmaking standpoint, I don't know that I really need the the visual sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and it feels this is me being for a movie I really like. This is me being strongly critical. And so I can recognize that it feels like a forced shorthand that isn't quite necessary when you have a performer like Anya Taylor-Joy because what you've just yeah. done is said hey guess what her uncle molested her in that up? you know and it's like well y- yes <laughs> you know and I just think there's a world where you could have 
Um, I wish I'd given you an alternate there, Reed. I'm sorry, but I didn't. No, um, it's okay. I'll you know, but it but I, I feel like that's it. It's it's. I would have rather um, the movie been a bit more delicate with her sort of sharing things with Hedwig, whom she finds like there's there's motivation, there's character, purpose, and action in. Oh my gosh! Not only do I need this guy, uh, this kid, if we're talking about Hedwig, but I can also divulge certain things, which you know. It, Hedwig is nine, so she wouldn't have been that explicit. To me, it's just there's a different tack I think the movie could have chosen that didn't require, let me just do a bunch of flashbacks that that points to and lands you at the most transgressive thing that could have happened to this girl right. as a child, uh, if that makes yeah. sense. Deal. I think the thing that the visual that I was uh, uh, camping out on more so was the, the gun. Um, sure. Oh, that's, mm. Yeah, and that's a great yeah. moment. Yeah. 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 I think uh, there is a weird, and, and this I think we did touch on when we covered this film before, but I think there's an interesting in in Split, there is a strange glorification of brokenness that is that I find interesting. I don't have a nice bumper sticker hook to hang on it right now because so much of my imagination went to what I described earlier, so I won't try to you know, we've been talking a while. I won't try to piece that all together now, but I think just for the sake of pointing to a thing, I think there is this there is this strange sort of glorification. Of course, the philosophies of the beast are that like the the broken are the most pure, and 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 I think there is there is this way where we can kind of revel in a lack of health. Um, and I think sometimes I think there's a difference between a healthy acceptance of what is not pristine and perfect about ourselves versus a kind of a it almost feels like reverse psychology. Um, sometimes I'll hear people revel in uh, the 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 sort of more. Uh, distasteful aspects of who they are or of their choices or of their struggles. Um, but in a way they will sometimes uh, express that part of themselves in a way that almost feels like they're trying to talk themselves out of feeling terrible about it, as opposed to just being transparent and open about it. Um, it, it almost feels like they're trying this, this sort of pervasive reverse psychology. And I feel that way about what split talks about, about the purity of the brokenness where I feel like, okay, well, hold on a second. That I think there's there's an unhealthy approach to brokenness that says we're just going to hide everything. We're not going to admit it. We're not going to talk about it. We're just going to pretend it it doesn't exist. And then I think there's a, an equally, perhaps equally unhealthy thing where the way you talk about it is uh, in such a way that it's almost like a a badge or or some yeah. sort of like like merit of like oh i have you know i have that too and i have that too and again i'm not trying to be dismissive to that subject because i feel like the healthy place is probably somewhere that permits you the freedom to live in the full revelation of this is part of who i am all of these things it's all there it all exists it is real and it is a part of what i deal with on a day-to-day -day basis that is healthy to be that open and to be that forgiving of yourself and that transparent with other people is profoundly healthy. And I think it is a, a, a bit of a tricky line to walk um, to not hide yourself from the world, but at the same time, not go basically the beast route 
where now suddenly I'm calling it the beast route for the language of split, but like same way uh, Elijah did the same thing in Unbreakable, where Elijah is basically like, because of how he is, he transgressed all these other things to prove to himself that it wasn't a mistake. And uh, again, that's, that's probably treading into deeper waters that we don't have time to tread into, but it's something that I wanted to at least point to before we closed down the, the conversation. Um, well, if you gentlemen will permit, we have two little bits of, uh, of, of ancillary business to tie off. Everybody feel good about Unbreakable? Let's do and, it. And split? Okay, yep. so the first... Uh, unique to Shamalamarama is that of the Shiamio. Uh, we rate, and for listeners who don't remember, we rate these appearances of M. Night Shyamalan in his individual films uh, on their screen time and their plot relevance. So uh, we are going to aggregate it together. Um, so we're going to do it for Unbreakable and Split. Okay, so uh, Nathan, I'm going to come to you first, then Dave, I'm going to come to you, and then I'll tie us off. Um, so Nathan, go ahead and give your Shamio score for yep. screen time and relevance for Unbreakable, and then go ahead and do it for Split as well. Sure. And just as a reminder, in Unbreakable, he is one of the he does the drug drop in the bathroom uh, at the yes. uh, stadium. Uh, I'm gonna give it a one. Uh, you know, and and to actually then pivot into Split, he is the office tech helping Dr. Fletcher. I'm gonna give that a one too. I actually kind of like both of these. They they kind of do what. I feel like the heartbeat of what Shyamalan enjoys about doing these things is about is like, let me just drop in. I'm going to drop in, just have a yeah. ancillary part that isn't ultimately sort of crucial to any sort of plot relevance. It's just kind of like, oh, that's the director. Guess what? You know, tell your neighbor at the movie theater, that's the director. You know, like <laughs> that's kind of what they serve. I kind of respect both of these versions of the Shamio. Um, sure, they're not overwrought. Sure. They're not too self-indulgent. And yeah, so I'm going to give them one. All right. All right. Dave, what would you give for each of those in Unbreakable and then in Split? So, so one is the, the highest? No, one is the one is the lowest because we're talking one about how long, he, yeah, how long he's on screen and how relevant he is to the plot writ large. So, um, yeah. So one is the lowest. Okay. One is the lowest. Um, wait, Nathan, didn't you, you, you said you really liked it, but you gave it a one? Right, yeah. because uh, it's it's because it's irrelevant to plot, and the oh, screen okay. time is short. It. I'm yep. following. Yep. So, versus yeah. <laughs> versus Dave counterpoint, Lady in the Water. That would be a five. So that'd be a really high. We're, we've okay. we've breached Shamio, and now are in shipboarding role. Right. Okay. All right. I am <laughs> sorry role. for my confusion. No, no it's okay. No, no, it's like, no apologies needed. It's no. stupid. I'm like, you gave it a one, but you are talking so positively about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. lost here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'll go with the two. I think, uh, I think the, that, that whole, um, explanation makes sense to me. I mean, it, it is relatively inconsequential. Uh, it's him doing his thing. So, um, hey, it's fun that it's there, but, does it make a difference to the movie? Not really. <laughs> so, yep. But yeah, I'll go with the two. All right. So I'm going to be the odd man out here. Um, I am going to give for Unbreakable, I am going to give it a one as well. I am going to give it a two for Split for a very silly reason. And that is just that the character is his first, to my knowledge, recurring character 
that that is the same person. So that 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 person who is helping Dr. Fletcher with uh, you know in in uh, split is the same person who did a drug drop in Unbreakable, and because it is the first time he has that's interesting. Because run. you know what's really funny about you saying that is because in Glass, when we get to the Shamia there, he makes a point of pointing yes. out it's the same character, but it silly me, I, I was not even. Yeah. Threading that that it's the same and, character in all three. Yeah, and and the only reason, reason, yeah, and the only reason I know so definitively that it is the same person who is also in Split is because that conversation before he calls out who he used to be to David, he uh-huh. said he's getting a new security system because a person in their building was murdered off site. He's referencing Doctor. Oh wow, Fletcher. that's cool. So That's it cool. is the it is yeah, the yeah. same person. Yeah, yeah. You're, and you're so totally blowing my mind there. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, gonna stick so, with my ones just to minimize confusion, but I do I dig it. Yeah. So so yeah. So that means that uh, we give for Unbreakable, we give uh, it averages to a 1.3, and then for Split because of my little nudge up, it goes to a 1.6 on his uh, Shiamio score as it were. But let's get to our other very quickly. Uh, the metric that that uh, listeners are more familiar with, and that's the fog meter, the fear and God meter, where we rate not the quality of the films, but their gravity, their heft, how much they demand of you as a viewer on the measure of fear and God. For time's sake, we're going to sort of share our thoughts on both scores together for both films uh, when okay. we come to it. So um, Dave, I'm going to allow you to go first. You're going to be sharing you, both your fear and your God score for both Unbreakable and Split separately. So just let us all have it. What's your fog meter for these two films? Um, so I would go for uh, an eight on the fear level. I think it's one of those films that that is far more psychologically driven than it is um, scare factor. Mm-hmm. I think it does have a lot, as we talked about, a lot of things that can get under our skin and unsettle us and maybe make us uncomfortable, right? You know, uh, mm-hmm. rightly or 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 wrongly, whether it does it well. Um, that's a question that's still lingering, but um, I do think it's effective. And I mm-hmm. think that for me, thematically, I think it's the psychological stuff that that was uh, surrounding fear and um, uh, kind of the things that we battle on an internal level. Um, yeah. I think that landed well for me. And on a God level, um, I think, uh, again, jumping from that thematic <laughs> interest would be a 10 for me because mm. um all taken, all three of the films taken together are really. Uh, I mean, Glass is one of my favorite damn night films all yeah, around. Yeah. So, um, but that does play into these two films as a trilogy. Sure. And yeah, to me, that it, it has a lot of meaning and a lot of um, heft in terms of of theme. So, yeah, and so and so, Dave, was your you said eight and ten? Is that for Split? Uh, That's for both. That's for both. Sorry, I, yeah. I thought we were yeah. doing them together. Yeah, yeah. Not? No, oh, you okay. could you could have done different numbers if you wanted to, but I took your meaning to be that you were giving both of them an eight for fear and okay. both of them a ten for God. Yes. That's the way I thought. Yes, yes. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Yep. No. Nope. That's uh, that's totally fine. Nathan, uh, mm-hmm. do you want to go next, or do you want to sure. round us off? Okay, uh, you go. I'll ahead. I'll do Unbreakable and then split for me. Uh, Unbreakable fear. I'm gonna give a four. I love Unbreakable. I don't think it's very scary. Uh, there's a couple of harrowing elements to it, but overall, um, not that 
frightful a film. Uh, on the God Meter for Unbreakable, I'm going to give a seven. I think it's got a lot on its mind. I really love the things that are on its mind, and I largely think it achieves what it's after. Uh, for Split, uh, for Fear, I'm going to give a seven. Uh, Split mm. is a pretty nasty little flick uh, in all the fun ways I would choose to use that word. Uh, for God, I'm going to give a six. I think it's got some signals of good thematics. I'm not 100% certain. I, I love how it achieves all of those thematics, uh, but I but I do think there's stuff there. Yeah, yeah, yeah very, very well put. I am uh, going to be in kind of similar camps with you, maybe a notch up or down here or there. For Unbreakable, I'm giving it uh, a five on the fear measurement. I think towards the end, it gets pretty harrowing just with the concept of what's going on. I think that nudges it up a little bit more for me as well. Plus that scene with Elijah that we referenced earlier. Um, on the God meter, I give it an eight. I really am interested in what Unbreakable is interested in. And I think it executes it exceptionally well. Uh, very, very cohesive and, uh, and, and really, really strong. So I give that an eight. For Split, I'm raising it pretty high on the the fear measurement i may be a little generous but i'm going a nine for the fear i feel like it's pretty dark i thought about going higher pretty harrowing it's pretty grisly so i'm giving it a nine for that and it is one that i i actually wholeheartedly agree with dave that when you take all three films as a collective whole they elevate one another but i think if i'm looking at split in isolation i don't feel it is as cohesive thematically as i believe glass is and as i believe unbreakable is so i'm going to ding it down a little bit for that and give it a six on the god meter but uh but i do agree with what dave said earlier that when you take them as a collective whole i think they really work so well together um as as a piece that's you know that that's part of my view so um that means that we give unbreakable a seven a clean seven no decimals on the fog meter and we give split a seven and a half, which uh, we can go ahead and just maybe round that. You want to round that up to an eight? Will that sure, make your yeah? So we'll round that up to an eight. So we give Unbreakable a seven and split an eight. Um, but just real quickly, would we recommend these films, uh, Dave? I'm gonna start all with together. You. Oh, yes, all, all, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes. 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 I, listen, I think they are. I think they're exceptional, exceptional films. I think they definitely uh, are high watermarks in the catalog of M. Night Shyamalan. And listen, if you loved these films, but wait, there's more. Because next week, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be going into the long gestated. uh, This is a conversation I have been eager for for years. I (laughs) What? I don't know how it's going to go, but I have been waiting for this conversation for a very, very long time. We're going to close off the trilogy next week. Uh, the primary film we're going to be talking about is none other than 2019's Glass. So for the patrons, go ahead and check out Servant Season 3, Episodes 4 through 6, because we will be talking about those in the patron segment. And then we will be having a robust conversation about Glass and about these uh, films as a whole. I will leave you with this one little tidbit before we do our typical sign-off, because uh, Unbreakable and Split Together, it is confirmed that during, confirmed by M. Night Shyamalan, that in the train station, when he is holding out his hands and people are bumping into him, there is a moment when a woman 
walking by with a little child bumps into him and you briefly hear a flash that this child is probably being abused. M Knight has confirmed that that is Kevin Wendell crumb. Um, and, uh, obviously he didn't know that he would make split at the time, but he has confirmed retroactively that, that yes, that is who that is. So anyway, that is uh, very, very cool. The way these films are kind of tied into one another. And I think that's really awesome. And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and not the end of the conversation. So in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Dave, thank you so much for being here. Nathan, thank you so much for having this conversation as always. And listeners, Absolutely. thank you as well. We will see you all next week. Et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media, essays, and episode archive merchandise and more. If you love what we do, please consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast. There you'll unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online event access, and so much more. We want to issue a special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork, also to our assortment of talented musicians, including Andrew Nelson, The Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes, and also to Lee Wright, who helped me, Reed Lackey, write our theme music. Special thanks also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi, everybody. <laughs>